Jesus was called the great physician because he healed so many people of their ailments. Everyone who came to him was healed. But he's also the physician of our souls, as he indicated in Mark 2, when he said, um, uh, it's, not just, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners. He's talking about a spiritual health problem here that he really came to address. And one of the challenges in spiritual doctoring, as in physical medicine, is diagnosing the root cause. Patient comes into the doctor's office complaining of chest pains. The doctor has to determine whether that's a heart attack or the pepperoni. Very important to make the right diagnosis here, see? And uh, in, in uh, spiritual matters, it's much the same. I've, I've been talking about our need to forgive others, and that's often a root cause of all sorts of physical and spiritual problems. Thank you very much, Crystal. The lack of forgiveness can be a root cause of, of lots of different things. Um, but it's sometimes hard to tell if that's the cause just from the presenting symptoms. Let me tell you some of the symptoms that a lack of forgiveness can produce in a person. Um, this isn't the only thing that can produce similar symptoms, so this may not be your problem, but it might be. So it's worth looking at. A, uh, a lack of forgiveness can produce health problems. Uh, they're the kinds of health problems that come from stress, ulcers, uh, heart problems, high blood pressure, things like that. Uh, a lack of forgiveness can produce a joyless, hard, angry, critical spirit. Just kind of find yourself feeling hard inside a lot, finding fault with others a lot. Lack of forgiveness can produce a self-righteous spirit where we're always justifying ourselves, always have an excuse. It might make it hard to sense the Lord's presence. And corresponding with that, it may be difficult to pray. We may find ourselves with either an overwhelming sense of guilt or just kind of a low-grade chronic sense of guilt that pervades our being. We feel guilty a lot. If you find that your life is characterized by some of these symptoms, it could be, it could be due to a lack of forgiveness towards someone who's hurt you. Last Sunday, I spoke about the fact that forgiveness is not the same as forgetting the offense, nor does it necessarily mean that we would want our offender to be released from the consequences of their actions. And this morning, I want to touch on five more things that forgiveness is not. These are things that we often confuse with forgiveness, but they're not necessarily part of the package. And in the process, we'll look at a couple more of those questions that were on that survey we took a few weeks ago. One of those was, if you genuinely forgive someone, you should rebuild your relationship with them. If you genuinely forgive, you should rebuild the relationship. Some folks think that if we truly forgive somebody, that automatically means we'll be best friends again, or at the very least, that it obligates us to, uh, to working on rebuilding the relationship back to its pre-offense condition. And that certainly is uh, God's desire for us to be reconciled with, with everyone. Uh, with people who've offended us. That should be the goal towards which we strive. But reconciliation is not the test of whether we've really forgiven or not. And uh, we should forgive, even if it looks like we'll never be reconciled. Uh, here, here's an example. Uh, a woman's married to a man who occasionally beats her. Uh, this cycle continues for about eight years. Finally, she convinces him to go with her to a Christian a marriage conference, he goes, he's much moved by what he hears, he gives his life to Christ. 
He comes to her after the conference and says, Honey, I am so sorry. I realize what I've been doing to you. I just apologize. I beg you to forgive me. He's obviously very sincere. She gladly, gladly grants her for his forgiveness. But within a week, the abuse starts up again, worse than ever before. And, and now she wonders what to do. Should she stay with him? She talks with some of her friends, and they say, Well, he's apologized, and you've forgiven him. You, you should you just stay in there and, and try to make it work and, and trust God to take care of you. What do you think? Does, does her forgiveness, let's assume her forgiveness is genuine and sincere. Does that demand that she stay with this man? The Bible teaches that reconciliation is always preferable. Always preferable. But it's not always possible. Romans 12:18 says, If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We can unilaterally forgive, but we cannot unilaterally be reconciled. Forgiveness depends on me. Reconciliation depends on both of us. So here are some conditions that would need to be met in order for us to, for, to not only forgive, but to reconcile with someone. One would be repentance. I can forgive a person who never admits he's hurt me, but I can't be reconciled to that person. Uh, there was an individual who, who hurt me deeply. If I met him on the street, I'd be cordial to him, certainly, because I'm trying to forgive. But our fellowship cannot be restored unless he acknowledges what he did was wrong and asks for my forgiveness. A second condition for reconciliation is they change their ways. They need to demonstrate that life has changed. Uh, in the case of this abusive husband, uh, this woman should not pretend that they can be reconciled when his behavior has not changed. John the Baptist warned the Pharisees who were coming out to him to be baptized. His baptism was a, was a recognition that you, you say, I've sinned and I ask God to forgive me, and then John baptized you as a sign that you've been forgiven. And he said to these Pharisees, Bring forth fruit in keeping with repentance. Repentance is not just feeling sorry. Repentance is not just saying you're sorry, asking God or someone else for forgiveness. It's a changed life. Repent means to turn around. So there needs to be some evidence of a changed life. And we don't have to be reconciled until they have changed their ways. And then thirdly, some cases allow for some restitution to be paid. Uh, restitution is different from revenge. Revenge is, is what we would like to exact from them for having hurt us. Restitution is what they offer in attempt to make the relationship right. Zacchaeus is the perfect example of, of uh, restitution. He was the tax collector and they pretty much made their money by overcharging the taxes. And so uh, he knew that he had gouged people badly and, and uh, when he when he came to faith in Christ, he said, No, man, I, I don't want to be here. I repent, and I've changed my ways. And to show that I've changed, I'm going to pay back everybody I've cheated four times over. See, that's restitution. So sometimes restitution can be, can be made for some offense. So when a person demonstrates their sincerity by way of a sincere apology and a changed life and restitution, if that's appropriate, then the way is clear for us to be reconciled. But here's a caution. Don't think that the relationship is going to go back to being exactly what it was before the offense. Especially if the, if the wound is deep, there are scars that will remain, and, and they'll stay in that relationship forever. The relationship's not ever going back to what it was before. But by God's grace, it can be better than it was before if we will both work towards that goal. And that is certainly God's desire for us, to be one in Him. It takes a lot of talking, a lot of honesty, a lot of grace, but God wants us to be truly reconciled with the people who hurt us. 
Another survey question was, you cannot honestly forgive someone unless that person shows some remorse for what they did. That, that seems to make sense. And certainly we can hope for this. As, as we calculate their moral debt that they owe us because of their offense, we should include in that they owe us an apology. At the very least, it seems to me, they owe us an apology. But we can't make our forgiveness dependent on their apology or showing some sign of remorse or whatever. And one of the big reasons for that is we'll never get an apology from some people. Uh, for example, no apology will come from people who are unaware that they hurt you. You know, they didn't have any malice towards you in their hearts. No, they didn't plan to do something wrong. They didn't realize you were offended. They have no reason to think so now. We're over here in the corner sulking, waiting for them to apologize. They don't know they've offended us. We're not going to get an apology from them. So don't wait. So I say, okay, screw up my courage. I'm going to go tell them. I'll go tell them what they did to me. And, and, and then they'll have a chance to apologize. Well, they might, or we might discover they really don't care. There are people like that. They just don't care that they hurt you. There are even some perverse few who take a certain delight in knowing that they've injured others. So you're not going to get an apology from those folks. Some other people are not willing to admit their mistake, or they don't believe they've hurt you even when, they when, you, when you tell them that. Probably the person who hurt me the worst in my life is absolutely convinced he was trying to help me. And, and I could argue till I was blue in the face and this man would never believe that he did anything wrong. I cannot wait for his apology before I forgive him. It's not going to come. And then a fourth kind of person we're not going to get an apology from is those who are either too sick or unable, they're too sick or have died. They're unable, we are unable to ask their, excuse me, they're unable to ask our forgiveness because they're too sick or they've died. And this, this sometimes is the case with adult children who finally come to the place in their adult lives where they start dealing with some of the emotional issues that they've been struggling with all their lives. And they realize that, hey, guess what? Their folks had a lot to do with how they turned out. So then they want to go back to their folks and deal with that, only then it's too late because the parents are, you know, in a nursing home with dementia or they're in extremely frail health or they've already passed away and you can't do it. We're not going to get an apology from those people. So what should we do? Continue to hold on to that bitterness for the rest of our lives because the no apology is forthcoming? Well, no. We need to and we can forgive unilaterally. Sometimes people make a case for not forgiving until an apology is forthcoming. On, on the basis of this kind of argument, they say, look, God doesn't forgive us unless we apologize, unless we confess and repent. He says we're supposed to forgive others as he has forgiven us. So therefore, we should expect an apology before we forgive someone else. Just makes sense. Robert Jeffress makes the, the point that though this seems logical enough, it doesn't take into account the difference between receiving forgiveness and granting forgiveness. If we're the ones who need forgiveness, then we better go to God and confess it. We better repent. Uh, 1 John 1, 8 and 9 says, if, if we say we have no sin in us, so that we're not going to repent, <laughs> nothing to confess on my part, you know, then he says the truth is not in us, we deceive ourselves. No forgiveness will be forthcoming. But if we confess our sins, then he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So it's absolutely essential, if we're the ones receiving forgiveness, it's absolutely essential that we go to God and ask for his forgiveness confess our sins. 
But if we're the ones granting forgiveness, then we can and should forgive whether an apology is coming or not. Jesus said in Matthew 18:35, we were to forgive others from the heart. And the problem with that translation is that uh, in, in our culture, the heart is the seat of emotions. But in Jesus' culture, the heart was the seat of the will. So he's not saying, when he says, forgive from the heart, he's not saying, forgive when you feel like it, or forgive sincerely. He's saying, forgive whether you feel like it or not. Choose to forgive. Make, an, make a, a choice, a decision, an act of the will. Use your heart. That's the way they use the word heart in those days. Uh, moreover, uh, Jesus said, if we don't forgive our offenders, then the Father won't forgive us. Right? That's his little tagline to the Lord's Prayer. Only thing he repeats, only thing he comments on in, the, in what we call the Lord's Prayer is this little bit at the end. If you forgive those who forgive you, then your Father will forgive you. But if, if you don't forgive those who offend you, then your Father won't forgive you. So that puts us in an untenable position if we have to have their apology first. Because there's some people who will never give it. So then we don't forgive them, and then God will never forgive us. That's a bad place to be. It just doesn't work. Remember in elementary school, the three-legged race in the field day? Remember that? Funniest thing you ever saw, right? And it was particularly humorous when a really big kid got paired with a little kid. Because <laughs> the mismatch in their sizes made it impossible for them to make any speed going down the field. And they were always falling all over each other. It was just hilarious for the bystanders anyway. The big kids were always grumbling at me. Why did I get tied up with this shrimp? I could do a lot better if it wasn't for him, you know, if I wasn't bound to this guy. Okay. And, and that's exactly the way it is when we don't forgive somebody. We have bound ourselves to that person emotionally. Our progress in life will be limited to their progress. We can never go any faster than they can. We are doomed to hobble through life together. And the only way to get free is to forgive them. Unilateral, unconditional forgiveness cuts the bonds that tie us to that other person. This whole series of sermons is based on the notion that many of us have things that we need to let go of. Uh, offenses that others have committed against us that, that we need to forgive. <clears throat> but it occurred to me as I was writing this that, that um, it's just possible in the course of, of all this talk about offenses and forgiveness, that it has dawned on you that you have offended someone else. It, it, it might be that you're aware that that coolness you sense in a relationship that once was much closer could be because they hold something against you. And if that's the case, I, I want to encourage you to take this opportunity to make it right. You need to go to that person, and if you know what, what you did to offend them, just say it straight out. I, I recognize I'm, I'm guilty here. I've, I've done this, and I apologize, and I... I really want you to forgive me. And if you don't know what it is, just go and ask. Say, please, look, I, I sense something's wrong. You know, Murphy's been talking about reconciliation, and I, I want to be reconciled with you. If, if there is something, some offense that I've committed, would you please do me the favor of sharing with me what that is? Because I want to get it out in the open, and if there's anything I can do to make it right, I want to do that. You know? um, I know from personal experience how hard that is. But I also know from personal experience how wonderful it is when you've done it and you're reconciled with that person. <clears throat> a fifth thing, forgiveness is not. It's not excusing. Okay? We can try to understand the things in their lives that led them to treat us the way they did. 
very few people act irrationally. Very few people act maliciously. It helps us if we can understand what's going on in their lives that, that might have led them to act in that ugly way towards us. Uh, we can also acknowledge our own fault in the situation. Uh, in most hurtful situations, there are two sides of the coin. Examine yourself or ask them to examine you. you know? Uh, what did I do that prompted them to act that way? I want to own whatever responsibility is mine. No more than is mine, but I want to own what's mine. We can acknowledge that our sins against God are far worse than their sins against us. We are the servant who owed the king millions, and in comparison they only owe us a few dollars. And we can forgive them for their offenses and let them go. But when we've done all of that, we are still not excusing their actions. We do not say by our forgiveness that they were justified in what they did. The first two steps of genuine forgiveness are to acknowledge that we've been hurt, there's some wrong, and that wrong obligates them in some way. It creates a moral debt on their part. We've got to, we've, we've got to acknowledge that. And it's, it's fair to say, here's, here's the wrong, here's the sin, and you call it what it was. It was uh, adultery, or it was abuse, or it was some other form of violence, or it was lying, or it was gossip, or whatever. Okay? There it was. They are free moral agents, just like you and I are, and they are accountable for their actions. But true forgiveness first holds them accountable and then pays the price of that debt ourselves. We let it go. We don't excuse it. We pay it. Sixth, forgiveness is not a feeling. Once when I was deeply hurt, I found myself nursing that hurt, <clears throat> and I knew I needed to forgive the man who hurt me, but I just wasn't ready to do it. And I thought, well, before I can say I forgive him, even in my own heart, I need to feel forgiving. That's the only way I can say this with integrity. Um, and this went on for some time, <laughs> some considerable time, before I realized, with the help of, of uh, something I was reading, that probably my feelings weren't ever going to come around. My feelings were just so badly wounded, it was like a raw nerve screaming at me. And I, there was no way I was going to feel forgiving towards this man. So I, I decided, okay, what I have to do here is I have to choose to forgive him. And it felt really strange saying that I forgave him when I didn't feel the slightest shred of kindness or forgiveness in my heart toward this man. But that was the right thing to do. That was absolutely the right thing to do. I had to do that. It was a step that started me on the road to complete forgiveness. I said, okay. <laughs> and I remember I was up in Rocky Mountain National Park uh, having a day alone with the Lord, have, letting God kind of rake me over the coals <laughs> over this matter. I'd gone up there to sort of grouse about this guy, but instead God was, had a few things to say to me. Uh, hate it when that happens. <laughs> No, I don't. I mean, you know, it's painful, but I'm so grateful that God would, would be so gracious to set me straight. So I said, okay, I forgive him. I, I will not hold this sin against him. I will let it go. I release him from all his obligations to me. He doesn't owe me a thing. And, and I felt something like a mountain climber going up this sort of, you know, rock face, drives a piton into the rock, and hauls himself up with that to the next level. Well, when I said, by an act of the will, I choose to forgive, I jammed this thing into the rock, and I said, I'm not there yet, but by God's grace, I'm going to get there. And eventually, Lord willing, my emotions will catch up. It's an act of the will. It's a decision. It is a choice 
to forgive. You know by now, I'm sure, that life in general, and the Christian life in particular, is not lived best on the basis of our emotions. It's best lived on the basis of our wills. <clears throat> there are all sorts of things we're called on to do the right thing uh, when we don't feel like it, like getting up in the middle of the night to see why your toddler is crying, or taking your last dollar to pay some bill you don't really want to pay, or keeping your mouth shut when you'd love to explode or share some juicy piece of gossip. There are all sorts of things. We, this is the right thing to do. I choose to do it, even though I really want to do something else. And that's exactly the way it is with forgiveness. It's an act of the will. We choose to forgive, <clears throat> and we trust the emotions to catch up later. I just read something in the last several months, but I couldn't find it um, to give you the details on it, but some, something that indicated this is now the current understanding of, of most psychologists, that this is the way our emotions work, that we can choose courses of action that will uh, lead our emotions into feeling a certain way. Uh, I do have an example from my own life very clearly um, in another setting. Uh, when I was in seminary, our college group used to go to the Rose Parade. It was in, the seminary was in Pasadena, California, and the, the Rose Parade there. So New Year's Eve night, uh, we'd stay up all night, and we'd send some people down to the, to the Rose Parade route and, and rope off with some chairs, rope off a big space where the kids would come down later. And <clears throat> uh, so I had been down on the parade route all night, and uh, if you know me, I, you know, I love my sleep, and I don't like to stay up late or get up early, and so having done kind of both in one night was a bad thing. And so the kids came down uh, around 6 or 7 or so, and the parade wasn't quite there yet, and the, the youth pastor said to me, Murphy, get out there and lead some cheers. <laughs> you can only imagine <laughs> how cheerful I felt. <laughs> at that moment. <laughs> oh, man. But obedient soul that I was, <laughs> I stood out in the street on Colorado Boulevard and led the group in some cheers. <clears throat> to my amazement and chagrin, I started feeling better about it. <laughs> kind of got into the spirit of the thing, you know, and pretty soon I was feeling a lot more cheerful than I had been before. And I reflected on that later, what a significant experience that was, because I always thought, first you feel like doing something, then you do it. And it turns out you can choose to do something, and then you'll feel like it. And that's, that's the way it'll work with forgiveness, too. First you choose to do it, and then the emotions will sort of backfill in. Okay. But how long might that take? <laughs> how long might that take? Forgiveness is not, number seven, a one-time event. It is a process, and it takes time, sometimes a lot of time. Uh, Corrie ten Boom tells how she struggled to forgive the Germans for the atrocities they committed against her while she was in the German concentration camps. And she was having a great deal of trouble sleeping, so she went to her pastor and explained her problem, and he said, look, Corrie, look out here. You see this church steeple? In that steeple is the church bell. And on Sundays, the sexton gets in there and pulls on that rope and rings the bell. When he stops pulling on the rope, the momentum of the bell makes it keep swinging and ringing for a while. But eventually, gravity will slow it down and it will stop. He said forgiveness is a lot like that. When we forgive, we take our hands off the rope. 
But if we've been pulling on that grievance for a long time, you can expect that those old angry thoughts and feelings will continue to bother you. But give it time, eventually they'll stop. Time is one necessary ingredient. There are a couple of other things we can do to help. One is to recall our own failures that we would not want to be held against us. This is, uh, this is a great way of helping to put other people's sins behind us. It's very biblical. Remember the, the servant who you know, owed so much and, and uh, the other guy owed him just a little. The enormous debt was forgiven. And it's so contrary to the way our mind works when we're in this kind of a situation. We're focusing on our hurt, the injustice that was done to us, how we've been wronged, all the focus is on us, and it's very good for us to kind of stand back at arm's length and look at the thing in perspective and say, you know what, I'm really not blameless. I might have even been blameless in that particular situation, but I'm not blameless as a whole. There are lots of other people I've offended. I've stepped on their feelings and done things that I shouldn't have. So that helps me to forgive if I recall my own failures. And then third, do it again. Uh, we've chosen to forgive them, now we choose again. Say it out loud so you can hear the sound of your own voice saying, you know, I let it go. Listen to the tone of your voice. And if you don't hear the confidence and conviction that you think you should, you can say it again. I do forgive them, Lord. I will not allow this to, to tie me up. I'm not going to let this bitterness take over my heart. I let it go. They don't owe me anything. I let go of my desire to hurt them as much as they've hurt me. I refuse to let Satan bind me with this bitterness. I keep referring to this individual who hurt me uh, so much, but it was a very significant experience in my life. And in that case, it took me a long time to get to the place where I really felt like I was making some progress, where my emotions were catching up with, uh, with my, my choices. Um, I'd be driving along years afterwards, and something would trigger a thought, and I'd find myself kind of breathing a little faster and driving a little faster. And, uh, or I'd be jogging, and I'd catch myself lecturing him or recalling some conversation we had had, and I'm running a little faster than I should. <laughs> um, and again, I just have to choose to let it go. Do it again. I don't know how long it's going to take. I suspect it may take the rest of my life before my emotions fully catch up with my choices here, but I do know this. Every time that unforgiveness comes back to me, I'm going to deal with it honestly and biblically. On the back of your sermon outline, there's a little forgiveness exercise that will help us deal with uh, some of the, uh, one of the objections to forgiving others. How can it be? Do you have an outline in your bulletin? The one I got doesn't have an outline. How many of you do not have an outline? Yep. Sorry about that. Um, well, get one of these. <laughs> Mug somebody on the way. No. Uh, <laughs> what can we do? We'll run some and put them on the counter. Okay, thanks, Debbie. Um, I don't know how that happened, but I, I apologize for that. Um, the, 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 another question on the survey was, there are some crimes, offenses, other things that people can do to us that are so bad they could never be forgiven. 
and and you may feel that way if you've been seriously wounded. You, you may think of maybe there's been abuse or rape or some kind of violence or uh, some serious betrayal, something, and you say, you know, how, what do you do with those hurts that penetrate to the core of your being? How do you how do you deal with those things? And and you may feel like this says here. There's no way I could ever forgive that person for that offense. They hurt me too deeply. Well, this little exercise is a helpful way to think biblically uh, about those kinds of offenses. And I would encourage you to look up these verses, uh, write down what they say, be really honest with God about this, and let him speak to you from his word. And then, today is Father's Day. I don't know what it's like in your house, but uh, I think my kids have a hard time knowing what to get me for Father's Day. They want to do something, but it, it's hard to know what to do for dad. I have a suggestion for how to make this a very special Father's Day. What if you made this day a day of reconciliation? If you're the child, as a Father's Day gift, you could offer your dad your forgiveness. Now, you could do that unilaterally, just in your own heart, but it would be so great uh, if you could talk to him, talk over the things that he said or did or didn't do or didn't say that, that it hurt you. Fathers have an incredible amount of influence over their children, way more than we realize at the time that we're raising our kids. And if there's something between you and, and your dad, this would be the perfect day to start making it right. Or it could be that you owe your dad an apology. What a gift that would be to go to him and apologize and ask for his forgiveness. That would be huge. You know, um, it seems so ironic that, that we do hurt the ones we love the most. Families are supposed to be sanctuaries of love and security and understanding, all of that, and so often instead they're battlefields. Boy, uh, let's turn Father's Day into a national day of reconciliation. You, you go ahead and take the initiative. And if you're the dad, what if you're the father? An expression of your fatherhood an imitation of God the Father would be for you to forgive your children for anything that they've done against you. And again, you can do that unilaterally, but wouldn't it be wonderful if, if you could talk with them, share with them uh, how you've been hurt, and just let it go. Make sure they know that you hold nothing against them. Or it could be that you owe your children an apology. None of us has been the perfect father. All of us dads have regrets about the way we did it. And uh, I did this this week because I, I was preparing this sermon and I, I thought, you know, I can't get up here and, and tell these people to do this unless I do it myself. So I, I emailed my kids and I said, guys, I, I know that as hard as I tried to do it right, I know I didn't do it all right. And uh, I want you to tell me if there are things that I did that have hurt you that you continue to to harbor or that continue to, to be an issue between you and me because I want more than anything for us to be one. Father's Day. Father's Day can be so superficial. We give Dad a tie. Nice. I kind of like it. <laughs> or some socks, a new cap, some barbecue utensils. We let him do the manly thing, get out there and barbecue some brats or some steaks. You know. We give him a card that somebody else wrote. But I think that down inside, most of us long for a much deeper connection than that. Here's our chance, folks. 
if you take it this could be a father's day you'll never forget.